if we had to, not that we've got a stereotypical type, but I think if we had to, we'd both have a kind of similar... <laughs> we've been comparing photos in the car. <laughs> like this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had a guy just like that, yeah. but with slightly longer hair. <laughs> oh, this guy, but with crumbs in his beard. Yeah. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find how to do life but it turns out nobody knows if you can hear anything in the background as i am recording this intro it is probably the sound of my new neighbors because i have moved that's why the past month, Mopad-wise, has been super chaotic. I suddenly had to move house, which is the most stressful thing I can possibly imagine. My God, it's so stressful. I only just got curtains now, which is a thing that I usually appreciate having. But today, I think I'm settled. I think I'm settled. I got rid of all my cardboard. I made a roast. My Instagram feed has never been more boring. I've only been Instagramming about um, like washing machines and ovens and cardboard. And I mean, Ikea furniture. I feel like I've become 10 years older. And all I care about is like where to buy a broom. Because I need to sweep my floor. And it's so boring. And I am so happy. <laughs> On um, Friday, I started my tour, my UK tour, which I'm very excited about. It was I was really nervous because I'm doing a show I haven't done for a few years. But as soon as I started doing it, I was just right back in it. And I remembered all these things that, I mean, it just came back to me. And it was a show I loved doing so much. And I still love doing it. It's so much fun to do. And then I had a Q&A afterwards with the people of Cambridge and it was so, <laughs> so great. I said, does anyone have any questions? And the woman said, how's your new house? And I was like, oh, okay, I meant about the book, but sure. <laughs> I was like, this could easily be turned into some kind of therapy. <laughs> how are you really feeling? Oh, well, now that you ask. It was so much fun. And my amazing support act on the entire tour is Amy Gledhill. I lived with Amy, I must be almost ex like ooh, seven years ago, eight years ago, six years ago, something like that. We lived together in a shitty house in Streatham. It wasn't even a shitty house. I mean, it feels like because I lived in a tiny, tiny box room, like in a like a children's bed, which the boiler was sort of... I was like kind of sleeping under the boiler in a children's bed. The window couldn't open. I had no, when I say no floor space, I mean, I could just put my feet down when I got out of the bed and then I could stand up and that was all the space I had. I couldn't walk. I just open the door and then leave. Regardless of where I stood, uh, I could touch all the walls with like <laughs> one hand. And I lived there. Amy lived in the living room. Uh... I'm trying to remember who else lived there. Over the years, a lot of people ended up living there. Larry Dean lived there for a bit. Uh, comedian Peter White lived there for a bit. Evelyn Mark lived there for a bit. 
and uh, then Amy lived there. And then because she moved back to, what well, man, I think she lived in various places, but Manchester, and so we kind of didn't really speak. But every time I've seen her, I'm just so in awe of her. She's such an incredible person. It was always like a saying, like, everyone loves Amy. Everyone loves Amy. You know, I was approached while we lived together. I was approached by some some random person I had never met before in a bar somewhere who was like, do you live with Amy Gladhill? I was like, yes, I do. She was like, you are so lucky. <laughs> Everyone loves Amy. She is so funny. She's so much fun. She's incredible. So you will absolutely love her. And if you come to see any of my shows on my tour, you're going to see her do some stand-up as well. And you are going to love her just as much as I do. And everyone else in the world. So I wanted to record uh, the podcast with her. It's, it has been a long time coming. I think it was about time we recorded this in the dressing room before the first tour show in Cambridge at Cambridge Junction. And it might be a bit echoey. I'm not sure. I hope the sound is okay. There's no other way of doing it. I mean, we could have done it in the car, but it was raining quite a lot. So that would have sounded... No, you would have just all fallen asleep to the sound of the rain. Uh, Amy's amazing. You, uh, If you want to hear her answer the extra questions, go to Patreon. I think it will be uploaded on Saturday. And that goes for every single person uh, that I chat to on the podcast a few days later on Patreon, for just for the patrons. You can hear them answer the questions. Uh, do you have a life hack, any kind of practical advice? Uh, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? What's the stupidest thing you did as a teenager? Can you give us a recommendation? Anything, movie, app, podcast, TV show, anything. And and uh, what is an unpopular opinion of yours? And what do you wish people knew about you? And sometimes I always I also ask what makes you happy. So if you want to hear Amy's and all the other guests uh, answers to that, go to Patreon come forward slash mopod mohpod now i will let you uh listen to my chat with amy gladhill and then i'm um, just gonna clean my new home and uh maybe do my dishes and <laughs> i think i'm gonna t turn on my electric blanket and maybe uh, read a book. <laughs> I'm so old. I'm so old. I should have been at a birthday party tonight. Uh, I didn't go. I feel bad because um, I should have gone. I didn't. I didn't. Because I'm an old, old person now. I just want to lie in bed. Because it's 8.30pm. So it's time to go to bed. Will you still love me if I become less rock and roll? <laughs> There's a lot of presumption in that statement, isn't there? Now, do come uh, to see me on tour. Get tickets on sophiehagen.com forward, uh, forward slash tour 19. It just goes to sophiehagen.com. There's little links for everything. Uh, Secret Dinosaur Cult is my other podcast, which is very, 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 very fun. I'm doing that with Jody Mitchell, whom you know. And... You can listen to that wherever you get your podcast, Secret Dinosaur Cults. Tour, my book is out on Wednesday, no, on Thursday, Thursday the 2nd of May. But according to Instagram and Twitter, a lot of bookshops already have it out. <gasps> I have yet to actually see my book. 
in a in a shop and I think when I do I'm going to just faint. I don't know what to do. I'm I think I'm going to scream. I I don't know I don't I don't know. I can't. Oh my god. Anyways, you can probably buy it when you listen to this. It's probably time for you to be able to buy it. Happy fat. It's about why it's okay to be fat and it's a lot of other things as well. Oh my god. So come see me on to get my book and listen to Secret Dynasty Cult, my other podcast. And now enjoy the wonderful Everybody Loves Amy Gladhill. So would you introduce yourself to people? Yes. Hello everybody. I am Amy Gladhill. And I am a stand-up comedian from Hull. And I'm also in a sketch group called The Delightful Sausage. Very, very funny. Oh, thanks, pal. (laughs) (laughs) We are recording this at... It might be echoey, tiny bit echoey, because we're recording this at Cambridge Junction Dressing Room. Very cool. Number one. Very cool. It's the big dressing room. Yeah, that's why it's so echoey. Sophie gets these huge dressing rooms. There's a throne in it. There's a little lake with some swans. It's on my rider. A lot of people don't like to give me that. Um, You're a big deal now. You get what you want. You get what you want. I'm taking you with me, kid. Just stick with me and you'll get all the swans you want. Yes. All the swan lakes you want. Yes. Thank you. Uh, And where... So right, like right now, when we're doing this, this very moment, where mm-hmm. are you, where, where oh, sounds so wanky, where are you, like emotionally, like in your life, like this, the brain space you're in right now, where's that? That's a big question. I think I felt better before the question. <laughs> uh, I think I was fine. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a very exciting brain space because I'm going through a lot of transition so, and I've sort of, I've got a lot of, uh, I'm a bit of a nomad at the minute, traveling around, traveling around the place in my little Persia, which you've just had the pleasure of. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, my brain space is very hectic, very cluttered, but it's, uh, I'm very excited. I'm, very, I'm a very excited person, I think. I think I get very excited by very little, small things. I'm not talking about penises. I mean, like, like, you know, a lot of things make me really happy, which is nice. Yeah, I've known you for eight, eight? years. <laughs> yeah, and you've always struck me as like a very jolly, happy person. That's what people call fat people, isn't it, Sophie? Yeah, when they're well, like, "Oh, isn't she jolly though? Come on!" But you, you're like. <laughs> But I'm not helping. You're not exactly helping the stereotype, are you? (laughs) No, I need to get some sort of moody, uh, (laughs) exotic mystique going on. But I'm real. I'm jolly and I'm bubbly. What a hack, fat person. (laughs) And it's not. uh, It's not something that's covering, like a bubbling like breakdown that's about to explode it's not like it doesn't feel like it's any kind of no uh, but i cover no but i feel like it's gotta be because i do <laughs> like i do comedy and there's no i feel like i'm not aware that i'm having a breakdown but i just feel like everyone around me is like oh yeah she's due one 
look at her being so happy at that chocolate bunny, what I've just eaten. It was really good. So I feel like, um, yeah, it's probably... It's probably like a volcano. And uh, when I have a breakdown, which is on the cards, I think it's going to be huge and everyone's going to know about it. (laughs) You're not going to keep it quiet. I'm going to bring everyone down with me. (laughs) Um, You... It's always a bit tricky whenever I speak to someone on this podcast who are happy. It's always yeah, like, I'm sorry, are you shells no uh, trauma. <laughs> Any? <laughs> uh, I remember I spoke to Gemma Kearney, who's also just like a happy person. And I think it's and it's not that I'm not happy. I don't know if it's like am I, I don't think I feel cynical. No, I don't I think, think, I don't you're think cynical. I think with a lot of people who are just, I'm so happy all the time, you, you do have the sense of, yeah, yeah, but you almost feel like if I say something negative, you, you, you know, you take it personally, but you don't, I don't, I feel like I can be negative with you and you'll be fine with it. Yeah, I like it because it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that happy. Come on. I, I do, I do feel like, um, like I have a sunny disposition, maybe. Maybe it's like there's a lot of people because I come from Hull, which is such a strange place geographically and culturally. I think a lot of people in Hull have a very sunny disposition because it is so shit. And I know a lot of everyone thinks that where they come from is a shit hole and stuff, but Hull's like, you know, it's, it's a fact that that it's really, it's really um, not great. And how is it that great? All right, so like. Geographically, um, no one ever passes through Hull because it's at the end of the line and there's Mm. nothing surrounding it, really. There's no other big city right next to it. The nearest big city is Leeds, but that's like an hour and a bit away. Uh, So nobody nobody travels through Hull. So we've got this accent, which is quite unique to us. We've got not a lot of um, nearby cultures coming in, so we've sort of quite insular. And um, the stuff that we have got are things like one of the biggest council estates in Europe, and everything's just got a bit grim. But because of that, I think the people are actually phenomenal. There's a lot of gallows humour in Hull, because I think you have to be like... Oh well, we've got no money, we've got nought, but let's have a bloody laugh. And uh, all my family and all my friends in Hull are hysterical, really jolly people with uh, fuck all, <laughs> and I think it's quite good. And I think it, I think when you come from that kind of background, I'm so chuffed to be doing the stuff that I'm doing at the moment. It seems insane to me that I've got to go to like. Like we was talking about, I've got to meet TV producers in members clubs and I feel like I'm in a sort of film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read, I'm, I'm so bad at remembering basically anything, but I read something about the um, the calculation of happiness. Oh, wow. Like someone okay. had made like a, 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 a sort of calculate, yeah, you can apparently calculate happiness oh and there's something about having it's something about expectations basically oh. just being like if your expectations are low you will be happy you know oh. so something like your expectations have to be higher 
Like lower than your reality equals happiness or something like that. Makes sense. So do you think that's part of it? Oh, yeah. I've got no expectations of anything. Maybe. Maybe I seem so happy because I'm actually a very negative person because I never expect anything good to happen. I knew I'd break you. Thank you. (laughs) Here we go. All right. Start the podcast again. I'm ready. I'm crying. I'm ready. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe I've actually got quite, yeah, quite a negative expectations I've definitely got very low self-esteem and I never think I'm very good at stuff so when when something good does happen I'm like yes even if it's you know the smallest thing so that's what you need to do I think so I mean because I think that that's always been kind of my blessing is I feel like everything I've ended up doing everything I've everything I've done I've stumbled upon it you know like stand-up was just this you know, you meet people who are like, oh, I wanted to stand up since I was 10. I'm like, fuck. You're like, fuck from the beginning, right? Like, you, you've, you, when you were 10, you imagined you'd be doing Live with the Apollo. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, what, are you ever going to be happy until you're at Live with the Apollo? Where I just kind of fell on to stand up. And then I was like, this is amazing. I've done a gig. And then people are like, you should do another one. I'm like, oh my God, I've done two what? gigs. <laughs> and now it's like every single thing is just yeah. this. What? You think I should do that? Like, oh my God. But do you still, because obviously things are going pretty well for Miss oh, yes, Hagen, do you still, famous. like, take stock of it and be, do you, like, do you still feel, not overwhelmed, but um, sort of, like, the stuff that's happening to you is crazy, or do you, are you, are you at a stage where you kind of take it in your stride now? No, I think overwhelmed is the right word, because it is, the few times that I kind of, like I have, I remember when I, the first time I signed with an agent, it was that it was in front of that pub right by the British Museum. There's like a like kind of triangle thing in the middle of the road, so like cars are driving around you. And I remember standing there, just like I couldn't contain the feelings. I couldn't express yeah. the feelings. I yeah, just yeah, knew yeah. there were a lot of feelings, and I think I often have those moments of, you know, like just yeah. me alone with myself going. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, it's you, and it's, it's often the voice in my head often goes, "When are they gonna realize you're not an adult person? Yes, like, they've given all this to a child. What are they? <laughs> what are they thinking? Why do they think I can handle all of this? Yeah. Why are they trusting me with this? Oh yeah, I a hundred percent feel that when you feel like you've got away with it, and so like these meetings I had yesterday where they're not a big deal to other people but they meant so much to me and I'd, and I'd leave the building and my, my, my heart's like pounding and I've got all this adrenaline and I'm like as if I got away with that oh my god I didn't poo myself or be sick or say anything too bad and yeah like walking down the street and that's that's the key moment when I have to put my Spotify on and I've been blasting out a couple of Lady Gaga tracks recently that really they're really pumping (laughs) and I'm walking down the street in times of the music and yeah I do I do think I'm in a film which is probably yeah that probably is I think I probably am having a breakdown just really just realizing it right now so what I'm my current therapy thing in therapy with my two of my two therapists. Oh, it's you going got very two. well. Uh, it's about like ex- feeling and acknowledging feelings. Okay. So it's interesting because we're talking about sort of similar situations of having left a big meeting. Yeah. And then having the feelings. Yeah. And where what I did was to go, oh, 
I know there are feelings. I don't know what to do. Crush them. Crush them. <laughs> hide them. Go away. La, la, la. Yeah. It's over now. Wait, what you're ex- describing is feeling them. Going, right, I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to... And I think that's why you're not having a breakdown because you... you I mean, that's a very basic, me not being a therapist kind of way of looking at it. But, you know, this is, this is coming from my therapist having to physically, ex- like, show me how to express an emotion. <laughs> she was like, so this is humiliation. And then she showed me, like, oh, she did the face. I was like, oh, no, I can't believe I did that. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Like GCSE oh, drama. Yeah. Oh, and I was oh, just, like, no. observing her, like, wow, is this how you do it? No. So I would just, like, push it down and laugh. <laughs> And how she was like, I was like explaining about like being 14 and telling a boy I was in love with him and then he wasn't in love with me. And I was like, and it was so funny. I just laughed. And she was like, no, no, you felt really embarrassed. I was like, no, I don't think so. He's like, yeah, you did. It's in there. You better feel it. So I think it just sounds, and I, I kind of had like a flashback to that when you were like walking down the street. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, wow, that's how you do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> just that's live in the so feeling. interesting. But yeah, but then I also probably. Uh, so if I'm if I am feeling humiliated or something, I will feel it and it will come out of me instantly. And there's not much I can do to suppress it. I'd like to be able to suppress it no, a bit you more because it'll always be in there. You think you think you get away with it. You think oh I, oh it's gone now. It's not. It's what's on the inside making you tense and stressed and sad. Oh wow! It's so in, I think it's so interesting. I'm super that, into it. Yeah, that's really interesting. So if you don't mind me asking. So you've got two therapists. Yeah, because, uh, <laughs> fun fact, mm-hmm. when you're traumatized, before you can speak, you can't fix that in talk te- therapy. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so I have like okay. one for everything that's just like body, where oh, every time wow. I say, well, I think, she goes, don't think, feel. I'm like, oh, oh, no. oh this wow. is horrible. It's just like, you know, it's very much body and like, Place yourself in the moment. How are you feeling? What thoughts are happening right now? No, she would never say what thoughts, what feelings are happening now. You know, look here, look there. Oh, imagine this thing here. Like, how does that feel? And it is so weird because I've always, I've always lived in my head. I'm 100% in my head all the time. Right. And then she like placed some pillows in like a circle around me. She's like, how does that feel? And I was like, well, I know intellectually that that doesn't change anything. She was like, no, but how does it feel? Oh, wow. I was like, oh my God, it feels different. He was like, yeah, it's a boundary. I was like, ah. Oh. Here we go. <laughs> it's so exciting. Wow. And then the other one is a trauma expert. She's used to working with, um, like, what do, you, what do you call it? Like, um, <clears throat> like people who are about to go into witness protection and stuff. Like, people who have been having all these traumatic things, like police officers and wow. people who have seen shit. Wow. Mm. That's it's really, so interesting. It's really interesting. I bet. Uh, that sort of that sort of being in the moment of thinking how like when you asked me the first question it was so because I don't think about that sort of stuff and I think it's really important and actually I probably don't like I know you said I show my emotion but I probably don't analyse it do you know what I mean? I know what you mean but I don't know if that's if you necessarily should but I just like what you're describing there about what your what your experience with therapy is is so fascinating, and I do think everyone would benefit from that moment, mm. you know, just with yourself and just actually going, okay, but without all the stuff that's going on, 
uh, in my home life or career work? What, how, why, how am I actually feeling? Yeah, but I think if, <clears throat> I think if you function, mm. if you're not hurting anyone in your life, if you're not hurting yourself, you know, you maybe don't need to know everything that's happening in your head and you know maybe maybe that's the ideal is not having to analyze things because it's actually okay i I don't know i don't know (laughs) gosh (laughs) i feel so uh uneducated in the ways of my own mind but it's not something you is it something you're fleeing from like is it something? Is it, does it have a feeling of, Ugh, or is it is it something that would speak to you? What what mm-hmm. knowing my mind or yeah, kind of starting to think about it and diving in and bringing up stuff and oh well, that's a feel, like <clears throat> a few friends who've started therapy have said that initially it can really because stuff's coming to the surface that you probably have suppressed. Initially, it kind of throws everything off balance. And I think I do function pretty well at the moment, but I also feel like if I did have therapy, maybe my foundation's not as strong as it seems, so maybe everything would collapse and then I wouldn't function. And I don't think I've got time to sort that out. I don't have time to collapse. (laughs) Exactly. What was your... Did you... I mean, it's such a... Well, let's practice for therapy. Okay. How was your childhood? Um, really boring. My childhood was, like, good. I guess it was a bit chaotic because I've got quite a, um, a strange extended family. So I'm the youngest of seven, but they're not all biological and sort of brothers and sisters coming in and out of my life and lots of turbulence with that. But I had a very... A very happy childhood, and I'm really lucky to have uh, two very wonderful parents. Which I often oh, it feels like you know when you have a good Edinburgh, and a comedian's <laughs> like, "How was it?" And you you go, oh, "It was good." And then you think, "Oh, I feel like a knobhead for saying that because everyone has a, a, an awful time." And there's very few people I meet who have two good parents, so I feel like feel shitty being like yeah no they're still together and <laughs> no yeah they're really great <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I guess there's a, a table and like move schools a bit um but yeah was, you're a happy child I was like I'm sorry I feel terrible no, no please <laughs> I think I mean I imagine there's a lot of understandable <clears throat> jealousy also around like Edinburgh mm. but I don't think anyone thinks that people are Unless you go out to people in the street and go, hi, <laughs> my parents are so great and also had a great Edinburgh. What are you saying? I shouldn't do you? I'm confused. <laughs> Take off the t-shirt. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm asking you to do. Fine. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so what's your relationship been like with... What about love? Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, well, as we've spoken about pretty much every relationship I've had, I think... You know that uh, it's very up and down. And, yeah, I would say if something was going to give me a breakdown, it would definitely be men, forward slash love, forward slash sex. 
yeah. you, you strike me as a person who, you know, those cliche um, like American films or like TV shows, and someone gets married, and all the other people are like, "Huh, <laughs> married? We never thought it would happen." <laughs> and then the twist is always that on the wedding day they're like escaping through the window on a horse or something. <laughs> like you'd be that person in my life. Where I'd be like, Amy, no. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Call me a slag. Yeah, yeah actually, thank but like you. in a really, but in a good way. Okay. Like, because I think, <laughs> you, I know people who have a lot of sex, and this, some of them, every, it's all five people can do it. It's mm. not like there's no judgment, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, but you know, you can see for some people, it's like a need. It's like some, you know, like I when I get chatted up at like 4 a.m. by some guy who has like he's almost crying because he hasn't. <laughs> pulled yet and, and you can tell this is not about you wanting sex this is about you like validation you have an issue like you need yeah. something else and this is something uh, about your ego and I just don't get that from you you know it's not like oh I think Amy has a problem no. <laughs> it's more like wow Amy's doing this thing that you, everyone probably should be doing for themselves if you know yeah like oh I wish I had that I don't even know what it is I about you is. I think it's like this perfect combination of um not going after it. Uh, like the, that's like worse than saying you've had a good Edinburgh. Oh, fuck. It's like, oh, yeah, I just have so much sex. What I do is I just don't even try. No, no, <laughs> Sophie, I do try. You know I try. But I don't, like, I never, like, plan it. Like, oh, I'm going to go out on this night, out on the town, and I'm going to get laid. But it's a... Uh, uh, yeah, so I think it's like not having that desperation in your eyes because I don't care. I don't care if I don't if it doesn't happen. Um, but I think it's also that brilliant thing of being like just in that bracket of attractive where people are like, oh yeah, I would, but they don't. They're not threatened <laughs> in any way because I will be out in my pajamas. So do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I'm just. I just don't know many people who would be out in their pajamas, not caring about getting laid or not, who would be like, so of course people want to fuck me. <laughs> like, I've never worn my pajamas and thought, yeah, <laughs> this is it. Yeah, but I wonder why they're, I wonder why they're not all jumping me right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's very much about the type of guy I want to fuck and will fuck. Are exactly. Are you know your standards enough? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. This is what I'm saying from the beginning. To be happy, you lower your expectations. To, to get laid, really lower your expectations. <laughs> no, like, the type of guys that I find attractive are, like, the type of guys that aren't shallow and, like, you know, the relaxed vibe. I couldn't... I don't think I would find somebody attractive enough to have sex with them if they were into... You know, uh, exclusively groomed people are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the guy, like. <laughs> I'm not attracted to men who like hairless people. <laughs> no, <laughs> my type. It's my type is men who like hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like hairy guys. I like guys that wear like ill-fitting clothes because I like. Oh, this makes me sound like I just like freaks, but I sort of do because. I think if you see somebody who clearly their appearance isn't their priority, I find that really attractive. 
because I know they've got more going on. So, yeah. I think we like kind of, if we had to, not that we've got a stereotypical type, but I think if we had to, we'd both have a kind of similar... <laughs> we've been comparing photos in the car. <laughs> All right, okay, cool. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but cool. <laughs> like this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a guy just like that, yeah. but with slightly longer hair. <laughs> Oh, this guy, but with crumbs in his beard. Yeah. I think I just quite... I always get... And this is, again, like, probably the the negative side of that is I always... I feel not offended, but kind of disappointed if... Because I like guys like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... You know, I kind of see it as a... Sort of like a positive in a way that they're not trying real hard to look the way society wants them to look. I quite like them. They're just, like, chill. But then if they... Then, if then they have, oh God, if then if they are then not into the same thing, I I can get a bit like, <clears throat> come on. Oh, what? So if they're really the relaxed about their appearance, but they're not but they into still people. Want, yeah, yeah, but they're still, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it's crazy. I have like the example in 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 um, about it in my book where, <clears throat> you know, you're at a party and you're chilling out with this other guy who's. You know, also like being a huge nerd about it, doesn't know how to speak to people, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, I just I'm really weird as well, and I don't know how to do this party thing. And, yeah. And then he goes like, oh, I just can't, just don't know how to speak to girls. And you're a bit like, oh, oh yeah. so you're still looking for the people on the dance floor who know how to yeah. do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you not want one of us? Yeah. What's wrong with us? Like, you'd have so much more fun with me. Yeah. Because we're talking right now and it's fine. Yeah, and you're not nervous about it. You don't need to prove yourself. You don't need to... And it's such a weird... Like, of course, that's not how the world works. But part of me is is like, come on, why would you... Yeah. Why not just... (laughs) Why do you still think you... I don't even know. It's just people are trying... You know, they probably have a lot of fun with them, but... They can't do. I think high-maintenance people have more fun with high-maintenance people. And... That isn't to do with because um, they like to go to the gym or not to go to the gym, etc. But um, it's about ethos. It's about priorities. And I think if you if you can share a sort of similar philosophy with someone, then you're just gonna have a good time. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I don't want to be judgy about it. Like, it, a part of me feels a bit like <clears throat> like what I did when I was like <laughs> thirteen. I saw this, I was in the it's a Danish like youth magazine called The Unge, which is like us young people. And I, <laughs> I was interviewed for that because I won a competition. And they asked like, <laughs> what kind of makeup do you like? And my answer was, well, don't wear makeup because I'm not a fucking bimbo like those other girls in my school. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it became such a huge thing. And I was, because I was just so, it was, I, it was, part of it was just this jealousy that they yeah. knew how to do things. I yeah. had no idea. Like I felt betrayed when my best friend shaved her legs. I was like, "You're one of you're them. One of, you're one, do you, did you always want to be one of them? Yeah, Were you yeah, not yeah. okay with what we had going on? Where we just <laughs> didn't wear bras, we didn't wear makeup, we didn't shave our legs, and now nice. you're becoming, you know, yeah. the economy is just kind of threatened by, you know, oh you, oh you think it's good that they can function, but I, I don't know how to function. Should I also be trying to function? Yeah, I know. That's tough. And where did you get to with that? How do you feel? How do you feel about people shaving their legs now, Sophie? How do you think, how do you think that worked out? <laughs> but I think like once I, that's I think that's part of it is that yeah. oh, I just needed someone to like 
teach me. And I was like, oh, I can actually do this. Oh, okay. Oh, is yeah. that this dangerous thing where I'm being left out? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, just, you can just learn how to do it, and then that's actually okay. And maybe that's the same with... Maybe it's just like a defense mechanism, being like, I don't want any of those people to come. <laughs> but maybe it's just because I'm really scared that if I tried, then... <laughs> then you'd fail. I'd fail. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I, to- I think that's why I feel so comfortable having, like, looking a bit stupid, like a bit... Like, if I've really... Um, so I've got I've got ginger hair, which I love actually, but I know it's not like always the coolest colour. I mean, you're pulling it's a face so like weird. that. That's because that's because I once had a joke in my set about yeah redheaded. Yeah, and it wasn't even a real joke. The joke was something like she was a redhead, but the good kind of redhead. And I think the joke for me was. There's no good kind of... Like, there's yeah. no good or bad. Like, if I say that, then no one will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I got a, an email explaining that, actually, like, redhead people in the UK are, like... It's, like, a thing you bully with. Like, it's, yeah. like... Yeah. And in Denmark, red hair is, like, the utmost thing you can have. No, like, is that's, it? like, the... Like, everyone in Denmark will have had a boyfriend at one point who said, oh, I just really want to be with a redhead. Like, so, for me, redhead... That was, like, for me, I was, like, kicking up. Then in the UK, oh, it's only kicking interesting. down. So, so that's why when you said that, I was like, "What? Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know the cultural, the social, societal oh. relation to that." Just shows you how crazy it is. Yeah, it's it doesn't so really happen. I think it's like much cooler now, but definitely growing up being like a ginger. All my nicknames in school were like Ginger, Ginger, Fish Fingerhead, <laughs> Fish Fingerhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fire pubes. I mean, they're not wrong. It looks How brilliant. Do they know? <laughs> I mean, I was six. I didn't have pubes, but thank you. <laughs> this sounds like a really cool superhero. Because fire pubes. Whoa! Get out of her way. <laughs> Burning bush. Yeah. So. Wow. Were you the only redheaded person? Is there a difference between redhead and ginger? Is ginger derogatory? Uh. I don't think so. Okay. No. Were you the only person with that colour hair? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, in my in my primary school I was. I think there was a boy uh, in, in the year above who had ginger hair um, in primary school and boys had it worse. So for some reason it was like bad to have ginger hair if you were a girl but it was like the worst if you were a boy. Freckly little ginger boy. Oh, he must have had a terrible time. But now it seems pretty cool. Like you can, you can buy ginger hair dye, which I'm sure about eight years ago you sort of couldn't. <laughs> really? I'm sure. I, I just don't remember seeing it as much. But now, yeah, I think it's good, and I love it. I love it. I love ginger hair. I love curly. I love big hair. I love having really big curly ginger hair, and I love dressing um, slightly sloppier then I probably need to because I feel like it's a bit of a protection. Like, I'm not even trying, actually. What are you protecting? Uh, that thing, like you say, if you, if, you, if you tried to do something and you'd fail, you'd feel like shit. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm wearing jogging bottoms, so I'm not bothered. But I am, I am bothered, of course I am. But you try in your work. Yeah. Right? Or is oh, it the yeah. same there? No, I definitely, I definitely try in my work. So you're not f- afraid of failure? Uh, 
No, I I am, but I kind of feel like I, I don't feel as bad like failing at comedy because I just see it more weirdly. I see it as just part of it, and you have to get through the shit to find the gold and I just feel like everybody else does as well because every interaction you have with another comic or whatever every book you read about comedy everything you you absorb about comedy is everyone has shit gigs it's just part of it so I've taken that as as you know as read and it's like oh no failing's fine failing's part of it but you hear that a lot less about life in general and about like, oh yeah, don't worry, everybody feels like shit and looks like shit and does and does shit in everything, but it's just part of it. You don't see that side mm. of it as much. So I think I'm more worried about failing in life or in... Like I'd feel, I don't know why, but I wouldn't feel... I don't, and when I do die on stage, I don't feel stupid or like like ashamed like it doesn't feel nice Mm. but I I have got to the stage now where I'm like okay okay I will learn from that whereas if if I heard someone like commenting on have you seen her trying to wear that or trying to do that I I even though intellectually I can totally rationalize that and be like oh gives a fuck but I think that would stick with me yeah because if I'd tried Do you know what I mean? I know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. when people shout stuff, at, you know, in the street or out of a van, oh, yeah. then it's like, oh, fuck off. But if I heard someone... I don't know if I heard somebody who I knew or something, but like, oh, bless her, have you seen her trying to wear that? I'd... Is it just about clothes? No, not just about... I, <clears throat> no, just, I think... Um, no, anything, anything in, in life, like, I feel really... Like, I, the moments that I don't like is, you know, like, when you're meeting someone in, in like, a, in a bar or something, the moment I don't like is the bit where you have to walk in mm. and look for them because I don't want to look... Stu- I don't want to look stupid or, like, I'm trying and failing. Like, I'm looking for them and I can't see them and I don't know why. It's tiny moments like that where I'm like, oh, it's gross. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that feeling. Do you? <clears throat> Quite. I was, I was at this event, weird event, yesterday. And I think I assumed I would know a lot of people. Yeah. And then I suddenly didn't. Yeah. And then there were a few people I kind of knew, but they were like talking to other people. <clears throat> and then I was just kind of standing there and I thought, and this is bad on me. But I thought it was embarrassing for two reasons. I was like, it's embarrassing because I'm the only person in this room not talking to anyone. So I looked like... Yeah. Yeah, and then also I was like because of the the type of event it was a lot of them will have known who I was so I thought it's doubly embarrassing that people see and this sounds so fucking arrogant I know that but it was just this you know it's like people will I can't just be like anonymous and be like oh no it's because I work here or you know I'm okay with being because I'm just waiting for someone people know that why I'm at the event and what I'm doing there and also that I have no friends (laughs) It's such a weird thing, and yeah, you've, I've never stood in, a, in a, at an event or sit, sat at a bar and seen someone come in looking for their friends, and I would never think, ah, ha 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 ha, that person <laughs> has no friends anymore, <laughs> loser. Yeah, just at most acknowledge and be like, that person's looking for their friends. I know, we've all been there. I know, I absolutely know. 
but it's that moment and it's them moments when you stood on your own what the fuck do you do mm. what do you do fake phone call no because always the knows. fake phone call no the fake right. no one knows about the fake do they <laughs> do people know about the fake phone oh, call oh mate there was a memo it's gone out worldwide <laughs> hey I'm at the bar I can't see you where are you hey 10,000 friends what are you why are you Wait, well, I'm at the Angel Pub. <laughs> oh, I just can't see you anywhere. Oh, okay, cool. I'll see you in five minutes then. I'm just, I'll just wait here. That's what you yeah. Do. Yeah. <laughs> Fake phone call is the best. Oh, it's pretty good. It's so it's good. pretty good. <laughs> God. How does failure in life look? Failure in life in general? Um... Do you have a vision of, do you have like an idea of how it looks to have <clears throat> like accomplished, I don't know if it's becoming an adult or becoming a real person or having reached a certain point, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's really hard because I don't, I'm not very good at planning off thinking too far ahead in fact I've always been really bad at that I'm always about the immediate gratification which is why I ate that whole chocolate bunny and now feel sick because I can't I really struggle to sort of go all right what's what am I going to be doing in half an hour or you know a year or 10 years just seems ridiculous to try and plan that far ahead I think the only thing that would feel like failure is if I stopped doing things I loved to do things that are probably more sensible which I sometimes you know when like you're really skin there's been so many times where I've gone oh I'm not doing comedy anymore I'm not going to try and write this anymore I'm not doing any of this I'm just going to get a job because actually I'll be just as happy because I'll have a routine and I'll have stability and I'll know how much money I'm getting every month and I'm just going to go out with my friends on the weekend and it's going to be fine but I know in my heart that is, for me personally, that's failure because I know that's not naturally what I want to do. And when I have done it, when we lived together, I was working like three jobs and I was so miserable because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. You mean you, mean you didn't want to live in my living exactly. room? Exactly. I was like, this you is want to live not. On my couch. <laughs> this is not the dream. No, I, I did have a bed, you remember, in the living room? I got oh, a, you got a bed. I got a bed. Yeah. And then when I was moving out, what did I find in the bed? Did I not, did I not tell you this? I don't know. Uh, like rodents. What? They were living in my bed. What? Yeah. What, like rats? Uh, mice. Ti- like tiny, fast mice. Really fast. Living in your bed? Yeah. But I stayed, I lived there after you, after you left for a bit. Oh, well. <laughs> Check oh your God. shoes, pal, because they oh were tiny God. little mice, yeah. And the, but they'd made a home, like I felt terrible. Jesus. Yeah, they'd made a little home. Such a bad house. Mm. I mean, otherwise it was a good house, but that's so, it was, yeah, it, it was quite a nice house. It was like, it was fine, it was good, I had a good time. But I'd never had a bedroom before that had a big dining table in it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, come and eat in my bedroom, guys. Mind the mice. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm currently still kind of settling in. I just moved house. 
And it's more expensive than where I lived before. Yeah. It's further out of London. It's, uh, I'm living on my own. So suddenly there's like all of these, like my mother's sensible voice, like, can you afford it? Can you be yeah, absolutely yeah, sure yeah. that you will make this amount? It's not even that much more expensive, but it's just like making that yeah. decision. And I've lived with people my whole life, and it's always been someone else handling the bills just for whatever reason. Uh-huh. They'd be better at it, or they just took that leadership mm-hmm. role. Now I have to, you know, God. get the Wi-Fi working on my own and like sign up for the water bill and council tax Ugh. and direct debits and... You know, I need to make all these adult decisions. Like, well, now I have to pay more rent, so now mm. I have to, I can't take that Uber or I can't eat out that day. You know, all these things where I've, I think I kind of lived in this bubble of, yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. And you can't do that as much Yeah. when you're, like, when I'm the sole responsible person. Yeah. And I think I've, I've realized that what in my head I see as, not success, but more like, I have this idea in my head that once I get the hang of money, once I get enough money that I will never be, like at the end of the month, go, fuck. <laughs> you know, once yeah. I never have to ask someone like, oh, could you, <laughs> can I borrow money? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just once I'm not scared by, you know, the responsibility of having to take out my own bins because <laughs> I'm afraid I'll forget. And then <laughs> I don't think, oh my God, have I never taken out bins? I don't think I've ever taken out the bins. <laughs> So, and I, and I don't know if I like thinking that. I don't know if I like thinking that that is what adulthood is, or I should be doing this because I don't know if anyone really. Yeah. I don't know if I want to aspire to be someone who's good with money and bins. <laughs> Do I want to be the bin lady? Do I want to be the lady who's really good at taking out all the bins all the time? Brown on a Tuesday, green on a Friday. <laughs> wow, she's so cool. <laughs> She knows all the bin I days. I wonder what bin Let's call Sophie. <laughs> She's all... <laughs> I felt this immense. I built an Ikea um, bookshelf. And I Did put, you? I, I put one of the things out wrong. Uh, so the, the, like the back of the shelf became the front of the shelf. Oh, yeah. And it's haunting me. Oh, and no. And it's like my mother's practical, rational, like, you will need to do everything perfect. Like, you just follow instructions and I'm just like I keep looking at and just being like I can't believe I couldn't do that I can't believe it was so logic so easy all you had to do was be aware like to, to like a, a sick degree of like what why are you obsessing over this but that's bookcase. your rebellion I think you keep it like that because I think it's cool it's punk <laughs> I love punk, it punk bookshelf. I love it I, uh, when I lived with my ex in Leeds, uh, we got loads of Ikea stuff and he went out and I was like, I'm going to surprise him by putting up all the furniture on my own, even though he specifically was like, don't even attempt it because it's a two-person job. And I was like, yeah, two, two men maybe, but one woman, I'm going to do it all. And I put up <laughs> like a double bed, some wardrobes and a chest of drawers and they honestly never worked any of them they were so badly put together and this bed and I was like so like stubborn and proud and I wouldn't let him fix it (laughs) so we lived in this like shit house because everything didn't work but I was like no I so badly wanted to do it but the bed um wasn't like tight enough so the slats (gasps) 
would no, would fall down. So it was God. so funny because my side of the bed was fine, <laughs> but every time he got by all the mice. <laughs> <laughs> by the little colony of mice like Cinderella just holding up the slide, uh, the slats but every time he'd get into his side of the bed it would fall through and I've honestly never laughed so much because it would be it would be tense and because he wasn't finding it funny and he'd sit on it and it'd go through and be like fuck oh, it was, I would break up with you like that is he should have I would that is he the worst have. thing I've ever heard anyone do to another human being. <laughs> it makes me so upset. Oh, no. I was just trying to help. And then we had this chest of drawers, and like every time we pulled a drawer out, like one side would like slip down, and it was all on backwards. But You know how I was like, don't be afraid of failure? You should be more afraid you of failure. You think I should be more afraid? Should be more but, afraid. <laughs> because my expectations were so low. I was like, hey, one of the six drawers kind of works. <laughs> This is the best draws ever. Oh my god, it's such a horror story. Yeah, it was awful. But we're so proud of this little house. And then um, he won't be listening to this. I moved out. So, like, it was just us two living in it together and it was beautiful. And I was, like, the first time I was trying to be, like, the adult, inverted commas, and I'd, like, do stuff like shampoo the carpets. Isn't that mental? Absolutely wild. Why did you shampoo a carpet? Do you, are you meant to shampoo your carpet? I don't know. I think so. I just, yeah, I was doing like I was vacuuming the sofas and I'd take the curtains down and wash them. Stuff that like I'd seen my mum do, but yeah. I didn't really know if they needed it or anything. But I was like, yeah, we've got this lovely little house. Off we go. And then I moved out when we when we broke up, and, uh, <laughs> and then the next guy that moved in with my ex was living in what was our bedroom with this double bed. <laughs> And he took uh, all the slats off and just had the mattress on the floor with the bed frame around it because he was so pissed off with this fucking bed. Um, <laughs> but it just became this, like... Just became this hellhole, like, disgusting hellhole. And there was once where I stayed over there after we'd been on a night out... And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can go, you can sleep in the spare room. Oh, just so you know, there is a snake on the loose. I don't know if it bites. And I was like, oh, God. And it had honestly become this um, like wildly different, terrifying house with, like, no curtains hung up and everything. So what... An actual snake? An actual snake, what, yeah. Where from? Just, like, in the neighbourhood or in the house? I think somebody else that was, like, temporarily lodging there... Like had a snake and then it broke out. So I'm trying to tell you that my shitness with the drawers and the DIY in the long run didn't really make any difference because the house became like an absolute drug den. Do you not see a correlation though? (laughs) (laughs) I sent him. Since you built the IKEA furniture, it just went downhill. (laughs) Oh God! I drove in to get a pet snake. That's so scary. That story yeah. just affects me on every single level. Oh, <laughs> it just touches on all my phobias. Oh, like no. badly build IKEA furniture. Snakes. Nice. Snakes. Oh god. <laughs> oh, god. Um, yeah. So really, my childhood was very, very nice. But then, as a teenager, I was with this amazing, amazing group of friends. But um, it was very. I was like the best behaved, most sensible one of them by like a long. Like my nickname was Gladys because I was like a little old woman compared to oh. them because they were like 
always on drugs. We sort of lived in basements, drinking cider for breakfast, ketamine for lunch. It was like, it, yeah, it was quite bad. There was, in one of the houses, they had, um, the toilet didn't work, so if you needed a wee, you had to wee in the bath. And I don't know where they pooed. I never asked. But, yeah, that was quite, like, an intense period. And I'm bringing that up because um, one of our good friends, uh, Scabby, it's the anniversary, eight years since he died today. So he's been very much on my mind. Of course. Yeah, um... Heroin, classic. Oh, no. Yeah. But he was a total legend. And, uh, yeah, so it was really weird. It's been the Manchester Punk Festival uh, last weekend. And I bumped into one of um, my old friends from this from this set. And we saw each other. And we, like, hugged. And it was amazing. And we sort of... It feels like we're family, and it really upset me afterwards. And um, I had to sort of go off and have a think because I realised that the person I am now and the person I was when I was in that group of friends is so vastly different, and I hadn't noticed. And in comparison, I feel like a kind of snob or like a fraud, and I'm not, and I don't see these people anymore. And it's not been a choice. We've all just, we've all kind of disbanded as people do and drifted apart. But like, sort of was asking how other people in the group are doing and some are doing really well and some are really not doing well. And I just felt so upset that I've kind of drifted off in my little filmic life, having these meetings with TV producers. And I've left behind these people who, you know, we'd all be sharing, there'd be like four of us in a bed, in a basement in Leeds with an Alsatian. And I've just sort of left that whole life behind and don't feel like I recognise that person anymore. And it really upset me and I was like, oh, who am I? I? Now I want my own hotel rooms. I wouldn't even share a room with like a friend. And yeah, like 10 years ago, which is a long time, there'd be loads of sweaty punks in, in a bed together. Do you think that... <clears throat> do you think anyone recognises themselves when mm. they were teenagers? No, it's probably true. Do you? Were you vastly different? Oh, yeah, but it was sort of... I mean, <clears throat> sort of the same, but in a whole other... I mean, even just, like, where we lived seven years ago. Yeah. Today, I wouldn't live in that tiny, tiny box room <laughs> under the boiler in a children's bed like you wouldn't you know it's like going okay. oh but I'm a snob today because I want my own kitchen like <clears throat> you know is it or do have you just reached a point where yeah, I, 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 I can recognise the feeling of like you know my mother struggling to pay rent and to pay for food and mm-hmm. You know, now I don't even think about, you know, like my mom will ask me about the price of everything I've ever consumed. Yeah. She's like, well, how much was that? And I was like, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. I didn't yeah. particularly care if it was £10 or £15. Didn't make much. But my mom is still like, the milk is 10p more expensive, so we won't shop here, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I have that kind of, the, it's not imposter syndrome, it's more like, oh, am I breaking have I become a yeah. prick am I the kind of person that I five years ago would have not wanted to hang out with yes that's what that's what was bugging me I was like have I become someone that I wouldn't have liked before 
But if you met 20-year-olds, would you want to hang out with them? Oh, God, no. Like, would you want to hang out with who you were when you were, <laughs> you know, like maybe it's just... Yeah. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's showing more compassion to kind of yourself and who you were and then kind of doing the opposite of that and going... <laughs> Am I happy like this? Like, would I be yeah. happier if I shared a hotel room with four people? No. no, I don't think it would be happier. No. But how did you... It feels like quite... Like, you know, having a... Being like a happy person... In my... And this is like a biased thing, I guess, in my head. It's like... How do you get to... To, a, to be part of a group or a live a life like that mm-hmm. that's like kind of wild and you know with drugs and stuff like that is that just like being with the right people at the right time or like being at the is it a timing thing or is it that you're you asking you... for tips it's like, <laughs> it's like how do you where do I find this well like I guess it's a question of um, I'm always fascinated by mm. like my best friend when I was like 12 13 it felt like we were the same person yeah and today she's, you know, married, has two children, lives in a nice little house somewhere. You know, just like the, yeah, the, yeah, record, yeah. the normal yeah. life, or like the life, you know, you've, you've seen. And I'm like the opposite of that. And I oh, sometimes wonder, like, what? Where was the difference? Was it like, did we just meet different people? Did we have different... Yeah, so I think, so like, interesting. I'm, I think I'm just curious about, like, how... Because okay. it's because I'm fleeing from the sentence. How did you end up there? That sounds so loaded. But I meant like, I how did you, you get into that? Um, I, uh, it's one of them things where it's, it happens so gradually. You don't really know. I just know that at that time, they were the best friends. They were, even though they were a bit wayward. I've never and still haven't found a group of people who were so committed to each other and looking out for each other and loyal and smelly, sure, but, like, I've never come across that before because it was almost, like, inhibitions, probably from the drugs a lot of the time, but there was no guard up. There was no pretension there. There was no... You didn't have to try and be anything or or uh, or have anything to be part of the group, which was really good. And we didn't even really have shared interests because at that time, for for this few years, nobody nobody had any interests. Nobody had a job or. Uh, I mean, actually, they were all really talented. So, like, one's an amazing artist, one's a musician. Um, So I'm not saying they weren't talented, but we weren't actively pursuing a career because you didn't, because you woke up in a basement and you started drinking. And we all... all, this This seems like a real world away, but we'd all have our dole money on different days of the week so you'd get something like I think it was like 22 pounds 18 pence or something and I'd get that on a Tuesday and on a Tuesday it'd be my day to like go to the shop and we'd get a loaf of bread and some squeezy cheese and that would feed like everyone and we'd get (laughs) two litre bottle of cider and it was like it was just this crazy thing where you never 
you never resented giving anyone a penny because you all had not very much, but everyone shared everything. And that's something I've I've always found. The people that have the least are the most keen to share stuff and never ask for it back, never... There's never that, you know, that passive-aggressive thing where it's like, well, I, I paid for that, so do you want to get this? And then you'd still me 55p, mm. but it's not a problem and it's going to be fine. It's like it didn't... It, it was like a proper family looking after each other. Um, and, yeah. And then it changed. People sort of started to move cities and then... Um, I got with a different boyfriend who wasn't part of that circle and then I sort of gravitated towards people who had jobs and stuff, I suppose, and then I got a job. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you end up like that. Yeah, I think so much of it is just... Because I had... Well, probably my best friend, she's... We would just travel. We'd go, like... I kind of feel stuck and then the next day we'd be in Barcelona oh, or Serbia or something and it was all about like right do you have money on your on your account not a lot I can do overdraft unless she's like oh I can do overdraft let's just overdraft it to Spain oh, and it there was we'd never ever settled like no. who owed anyone anything no 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 and we still have it and then like today when we meet up now she has a kid you know a life a husband a mortgage yeah. and a real proper like government ish job wow and you know and I'm I've been broke for a year and like it's, it's this weird <laughs> kind of way we suddenly have to say I can't yeah I actually can't you know oh, it's higher stakes now and yeah you know and I also can't ask you too because you have a child and you oh, just yeah, feel like all of we had this we had this saying the saying but we had this if we were ever in doubt if any if either of us were ever like hey should we be doing this the other person would always say, are you saying no? And then we'd both be like, no, of course I'm not saying no. I'm saying yes, we're doing this. And I would do the, the, the most, the things I would never ever do as a choice just because she said, are you saying no? Like, no, 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 let's do this. Let's, let's hitchhike this boat on the Nile in Egypt kind of thing. Sure, that sounds great. Fuck. Did you find that you did like, cr- like crazy stuff, like crazy dangerous stuff when you were younger that you would never do now? Yeah. I'm getting more and more scared as I get older. Yeah. Which is, like, a bit disappointing. I thought it would happen the other way. I feel it more empowered in other ways, but I'm terrified of walking down the street on my own, whereas I used to travel on my own in dangerous places. Where we lived in, where we lived in Stratton, Yeah. Like, if you got the... Whatever, some bus, we would have to walk from... I don't know, up by like Stratum Common or some station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that, and that would be like a main road, but if you took a bus like one step further, you could come quicker to the house, but it would be back under streets. an under, yeah. Yeah, back street underpass. <laughs> and I think about that so often now because I'll be scared to walk down like Oxford Circus in like daylight. And I'm like, how did I just... I know. Like with music in my ears know, and like just... And I, I don't know if it's, why am I more scared? Or if it's, am I just more educated? Like, am I just smarter? Do I just, you know, because also, like, nothing happens, so... But something could have happened, and, you know? Yeah, I know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah. Because I don't think it's got more dangerous, has it? No, I don't think no. so. But I'm so, so much more afraid yeah. all the time now. I think we're also allowed, like... We're also allowed to talk now about 
the dangers. That's true. <clears throat> like after you know, yeah. the whole Me Too and stuff. Like now it's sort of, you know, I think I would have brushed those thoughts away back then. I would have been like, oh, yeah. oh no, why are you saying it's dangerous? Why would that be? Why would it be more dangerous just because it's yeah. the middle of the night? Or you know, I would have yeah. kind of tried to rationalize and be like, you're being crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think now I'm like. Oh no! Actually, <laughs> actually, bad things happen. The only yes. thing that ever happened was a guy who was like standing by the underpass, and I just walked past him like, like probably waving my keys in the air like, oh god. And he said, he just leaned, leaned in and he said, dogging. And I was like, no, because in my head I thought he meant like walking, like would I walk his dog? Or would like, you I walk my dog? I just couldn't figure it out. Like dogging, no. And I came back home and told. People I live with, <laughs> like no, that's not what that was. <laughs> but I, I think some of it is just. I think like the world in general right now feels. I think it does feel a bit, but I think we're just more aware. More of it aware, now. I think we're, we are. We're allowing ourselves to actually say, no, you know what? Yes. Scary things actually do happen, and. Yeah, and even, so like, ten, fifteen, no, fifteen years ago, this stuff that I would do and not really question it and it wasn't because I was stupid and I wasn't weak but if that happened now or I saw it happening to another girl I would be like calling the police so one thing that me and my mate talked about the other day was when we were 15 and definitely 15 looked 15 we were trying to get into a club and the bouncers were like you don't have ID do you and we were like oh we forgot it it's at home and these bouncers who are like 30-odd-year-old men said, you can get in if you get off with us. So we did because we were like 15 and giddy and we'd probably had like a cider and we're like, off we go. So we kissed these grotesque ogres of men to get into this crap club where other old men or older men like would come in onto and doing the thing where, you know... What I hate when men touch your hips mm. when they're trying to get past you and there's no reason for mm. them to do it. Like, there's plenty of space, mate. And, and they don't do it to other men. Yeah, they don't and do that's it to other re- men. That's why yeah. you know it's not. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But we were talking about that and we were like, I can't believe that we did that and didn't even consider it like a terrible thing. Like, we was like, oh, God, that's a bit... Right, all right, fine. Yeah, just accepted it. Just accepted it. Of course, that's what happens. If I saw that, I would would literally call the police. Yeah, Yeah, you'd have a word with the girls and be like, come, come, come. I'd be like, you come with me. Yeah, yeah. You two are losing your jobs because that's so wrong. The police are on the way. Yeah. But at that time, you're just like, yeah, fine, okay. Another another, uh, club... um, because I left and I wanted to go back in and I hadn't got a stamp on my hand, but they knew I'd been in and they were just like, yeah, flashes your tits and you can go back in. And you just think, fuck, if they did that now, thank God. Yeah, you'd assume at least that You'd be... just hope, wouldn't you? That <clears> they, I think so. just, And I truly believe that things are getting yeah. better. You know, maybe, I don't know if the men are getting better. I hope they are, but I think young women now are so bloody fierce and, mm. like, I'm I'm proud of them and I'm jealous that I didn't feel like that when I yeah. was their age. But I'm so pleased that it's... That, at least, it, like, women are more aware and yeah. that's brilliant. I think one of the strongest things is that they... <clears throat> what they like to do is kind of pin 
pin women against each other. Mm-hmm. So it's very much this, like, trying, almost trying to make sure that they don't speak to each other. Yeah. You know, yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, you know, that's why we have these tropes of, oh, I'm not like, I'm not like the other girls, because it's, like, bad to be like the girls. <laughs> and, you know, like, when I started in comedy in Denmark, it was always like, oh, you're the only funny female comedian. And they would say that to all the female oh comedians. My God. So that we would feel oh like God. a competition or Ugh. we'd been chosen by the boys. And, and I think that's one of the strongest things is women realizing that there's community. Yeah. And that actually, oh, if we talk to each other, mm-hmm. oh, you've experienced that. You've also experienced yeah. Hey, if we all get together, we can kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically. <laughs> I want to reveal the plan. Um, and I think that's so strong because yeah. they can't fight against that. It was fine when they had us individually. Yeah. But now it's this, oh no, actually, you know, now there's like female comedians, uh, like WhatsApp groups and there's like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, things are happening. Yeah. And that is, oh, I love that. Yeah. And I think the particularly female comedians, when you are in a green room with them, there's n- never a more supportive person than when there's another female which I'm so pleased about because I think they they'd love you to be in competition and mm. only putting one female on a bill which is of getting better as well but you you didn't see them when we first started really and that's what I think that's the reason it's, it's that is the reason I mean not consciously by every yeah. single man but it is part of the the tropes around mm. is that if they mm-hmm. got you know I'm I'm not gonna say what it is but for a reason bad reason I'm watching a TV show that I wouldn't normally watch and it's just like this very sexist show and there's one woman and then like a bunch of men and I was like I tried to place another woman in that situation and try and because you know there's always like this poor woman who's getting hit on by them all and I was like oh she does she they I have just placed her all alone yeah yeah there's yeah. no like if she suddenly got two friends and they started just hanging out and talking about how creepy the guys were or, or did you also did he also do that with you oh that's shitty yeah. you know suddenly it would be a whole other show it would yeah. be a whole other it wouldn't yeah. play to the, like there's a reason they want women to just like not it's the same way that you know they, women are being controlled in the way that the hysterical in inverted commas is like oh if you raise your voice or if you uh, yeah. criticize or if you uh, call something out or if you set a boundary you're hysterical so then we're automatically like oh well I don't want to be that woman I don't want to be hysterical, hysterical. so yeah. I better just smile and you know yeah. they've already set up like in order to oppress someone you kind of have to make sure they can't get out of it so just create all of these you can't unionize you can't meet with the other women uh, also you can't really complain because then you're hysterical you can't do this because then you're that you can't do and you, it's just like created this little mm. jail cell where all the bars are just yeah. well then you lose in another way yeah but by women coming together mm-hmm. and going, have you realised that this is happening? Like, oh yeah, we're breaking down mm-hmm. them bars, Sophie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I want. Oh fuck, we've run over. Okay, sorry. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Nothing to be sorry about. Uh, just like, if, but if you do want to apologise, you're going to apologise about the IKEA furniture. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you uh, the last question that okay. I wanted to ask. Okay. So you're in the delivery room and you have just been born. And you are holding yourself now as a baby, right? Holding teeny tiny Amy Gladhill, and she is crying, crying and crying and crying because there was it was so warm and comfortable inside of the womb, and now she's out, and there's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's fucking terrifying. Like what what's going on? What is this? And she's looking at you like, 
is this going to be life? Is this going to be full of just like lights and sounds? And that sounds horrible. And you know what the next 31, 31 years of her life is going to be like. You know, everything's going to happen. You can't change the future, so you can't give advice. That won't work. But she's looking at you being like, what is this? <laughs> and you can tell her whatever you want about what life's going to be like. So maybe if you want to make her stop crying, you can do whatever you want. She's looking at you going, is this life? What will you say to teeny tiny baby Amy? Wow. I would say um, you're going to have a great time. Get really good at having fun on your own because as soon as you get comfortable having a great time by yourself, everything else will fall into place. And always enjoy the silliness of situations and when you're feeling shitty or um, things aren't going your way try and find perspective and realise how silly beautifully, joyfully silly things are and you are and what your choice of career is and don't take things too seriously but mainly just get really comfortable and good at being in your own company do you still need to be told that um sometimes i need to be reminded that this job's really silly and find the joy when things feel a bit stressful because it we're you know not to sound um pious but oh aren't we lucky to be involved in such an amazing job um but to remember not to feel too much pressure because it it's ultimately very silly and you have to enjoy it. But um, yeah, I, I'm good at, I think I'm good at being on my own now, which is, changes everything, really changes everything. Pretty good. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people find your stuff? Uh, on my Twitter, which is at that Gledhill or on Instagram, which is Amy underscore sausage. The sausage? Delightful sausage? I don't know. I'll be about. You'll find, you'll find, you'll find me somewhere. Or um, I, Ikea? <laughs> do not. Do not, appro- not approach an Ikea. <laughs> uh, what are you doing Edinburgh? I'm doing Edinburgh, yes, with my very silly uh, double act, Delightful Sausage. We are on at noon every day brilliant time at the monkey barrel which is phenomenal so that's on blair street it's so at noon. funny I, I mean i don't know about you and you should probably funny as well but i saw it last year it was so funny oh thanks so funny and also you'll be supporting i'll be supporting this gal called sophie is it hagen <laughs> <laughs> i think it's hagen um supporting Sophie on her tour of the UK we're going everywhere um so if you've already got tickets to see her you'll see me and you'll be like who is this um but I won't be on long and then you'll get to see Sophie and if you haven't got tickets already you should bloody get them because they are selling like absolute hotcakes let me tell you so yeah do that and come and see us and then talk to us afterwards because um Sophie's gonna be Oh, Sophie's pulling face. Don't talk, talk to us, obviously. <laughs> you know, stay, keep at a distance. We've, we've all got anxiety and social anxiety issues. 
listen to the podcast, guys. <laughs> Keep your distance. But so, Sophie's going to be selling her amazing book. And I hope you talk good you are at this. This is amazing. I was, just have you record this for like all the episodes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if you want me to talk about anything other than myself, I come alive. Asking me to talk about myself, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm happy. I don't know anymore. I gotta go. Um, yeah, but yeah, come and come come to the show, uh, and you'll get uh, one of Sophie's books. You can buy one of her books, and she might sign it for you if she yeah, wants yeah. to. I yeah, do that's want good. to. I she do does want to. to. She can stop to. this now before you. Is <laughs> that selling me out? Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. That was Amy Glethill. I hope you enjoyed her as much as I did. And if you want to see her do comedy, go check out The Delightful Sausage, her double act, or her, or come to my tour and see us both do some stand-up. It'll be a lot of fun. So we for all of the tickets for that. Do go and find Amy on all the social media and let her know that she's great for having done the podcast. You always do that and you're so, so nice. Now, thank you so much for all of your one-off donations. They have been so helpful. And thank you to everyone who's bought my two shows, Shimmer Shatter and Dead Baby Frog, on my website as well. That means the world to me. And to all the patrons, of course, it really means a lot. The people Now, something very exciting is happening today. Spoiler alert, okay? So I'm going to read the names out now because I'm so excited. Right? Are you ready? So, the people who are patrons, if you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning that I will butcher your name at the very end as I read it out loud. And what you may not know is that there's always a little competition going amongst which name has the most friend of friends of the podcast. And today, these are the following people that I would like to thank with my entire heart for being a friend of the podcast. Thank you so much to these people. Andrea Papillon, Andy Walker, Ashley Salmon, Autumn Blue Sky, Barry Norson, Caitlin Catposse, Claire McCowlin, Danny Becker, Daniel Reifershade, uh, Daphne Fanger, Donna O'Connorvan, uh, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, that's two Emmas, Penelodon, Privacy Osaurus, Aurora Teratops, just have one of those. Fiona Richardson, George Pearson, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minne, uh, Helena Thomas, Ida Sogolasen, Inga Ellingsen, Janie Mahoney, Josie, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen. We still don't know if we count those as three of the same. Kathy, Katie, and Katrina. Hmm, not really. Kim Williams, Kirsten Davison, Queen T. Then we have Lily and Harry French. And it says, this time in Dinosaur Onesies. Aw, Lily and Harry French, uh, would you send me a picture? <laughs> Maury Fraser, Mansour Mia, Megan Roberts, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Finne, Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Evenheim, Evenheim, Rachel Furley and Rachel Phillips. <gasps> That's four Rachels. Now, for those of you who may not have listened previously three rachels were in the lead up until very recently then we had an extra sarah come in and then it's it was even between them and now we have four rachels oh that is a strong move from the rachels rachel hemsley rachel i just get the feeling that's even and then it's a dash 
C-H-A-I-M. Why do I think it's Haim? Is that insensitive? Haim? Chaim? Chaim? Even Chaim? Doesn't matter. You've won. Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Evenheim. Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips. Rachel's. And then we have Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Russell Hughes, uh, Sarah Ferrer Igerseth, Sarah Ellett, Sarah Plumer, and Susie Tyler. Well, n- nice work from the Sarahs. If we get another Sarah next week, I'm going to lose my shit. If we get another Rachel next week, I'm also going to lose my shit. If we get two Emmas, one or two Emmas, I'm also going to lose my shit. Okay? So come on, guys. Let's, uh... <laughs> Let's bring some excitement to this name reading. Uh, but if you're not as compet- competitive as me, that's also absolutely fine. Now, I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for listening. I do love doing this podcast and I will get better at <laughs> releasing the episodes weekly. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Dave Pickering for producing this episode, Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, to Amy Gladhill for being a wonderful guest, uh, and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.